Okay, good morning, Northies. It's great to be with you on this Christmas weekend. I hope you've all had uh, a wonderful time over the last couple of days, filled up with Christmas food, satisfied with your Christmas gifts, and this morning we're going to open the Word of God. So if uh, you've got your Bibles there, we're going to Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to look at a, a verse in... Um, in that passage, verse 15, but we'll start at verse 13. And it's talking about when um, Jesus and Joseph and Mary went down into Egypt. So after the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, and stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So that night Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. Now, what a, what a great verse. I'm, I'm really glad to have this verse. Um, I've been very lucky over the last six months or so. Every time I looked at what, uh, what my topic was, I cheered because I was so, so pleased to get that topic. But this is an interesting verse. It's, it's, it's interesting on a number of levels. It's interesting because it was one that the New Testament writers seemed to pluck out from nowhere. They said, it, it fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. And that verse is actually found in Hosea chapter 11 and verse 1. It said, when Israel was a child, I loved him and I called my son out of Egypt. And so there's a sense in which the prophet was speaking in the past about um, Israel as coming out of Egypt, out of their slavery. And there's a sense in which he was speaking forward to Jesus and saying that Jesus is going to be called out of Egypt. And there's a sense in which he's even speaking further forward because it's talking about us. Because over the last 2,000 years of, uh, of church history, this concept of coming out of Egypt, coming out of slavery... And um, the deliverance from slavery, the exodus, if you like, has been used metaphorically to speak about the New Testament church. Throughout, throughout the church age, Israel's history has been applied metaphorically to the church. Abraham, the father of promise. Moses, the Christ figure, delivering God's people out of slavery. The wilderness, revealing the inner slave nature and the refining process that brings about maturity. Joshua, leading a new generation into possess an inheritance. Judges, uh, to David, speaking of the warfare to, to possess our freedom and inheritance. The Amorites, the Philistines, the uh, Goliath. All of these things are, are types and metaphors of the warfare that we undergo as, as New Testament believers. And Solomon speaks of the establishment of the kingdom in our lives, peace and prosperity. One of the things that Moses discovered with the children of Israel uh, is that slavery is not just an external thing. It's not just about where you are and who's, who's over you, the slave masters, etc. Slavery is also an internal thing. There's an old saying that says you can take the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy. There's also a saying that says you can take the boy out of Texas, but you can't make him take off his hat. But this is, this is almost one that you could use. Similarly, Moses discovered you could take the Israel out of Egypt, but it's a whole other thing to get Egypt out of Israel. And that's the same with us. The challenge that I want to bring to us this morning is that God may have led us out of the world into his kingdom, but to what level have we engaged in a process of allowing him to take the world out of us?
And so today I want to look at Galatians chapter 5. And Paul addresses this concept of slavery uh, specifically in this chapter. He says in verse 1, Christ has freed us so that we may enjoy the benefits of freedom. Therefore, be firm in this freedom and don't become slaves again. With 2021 just a few days away, I want to briefly consider how we might see the freedom in which we stand in Christ become the freedom in which we live. There's no doubt about it, Israel had a slave mindset. They were free physically, but internally they were not living as as free people. You know, Moses just had to deal with these guys all the time. You know, we want to go back to Egypt. There was leeks and garlic and he, oh, you're giving us here is manna. And this concept that that uh, it was better being slaves, it was better with someone telling us what to do than to be free and have to make up our own mind. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 puts it this way. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So I want to look at three different kinds of slavery that we find in Galatians 5. Two of them are bad. One of them is good. And so let's go to the first one. It just follows on in in verse 2 of chapter 5. And it says, I, Paul, can guarantee you that if you allow yourselves to be circumcised or any other rule-keeping system, the message says. So one of the one of the challenges with this metaphor is we think, oh, it's all about keeping the, the laws of Moses, but we're the New Testament church. We don't have to worry about that. But the issue is whenever we have some sort of rule-keeping system through which we seek to gain favor with, with God, we are entering into that same law thing again. It says that if you if you uh, allow yourselves to be uh, keeping any kind of rule system, Christ will be of no benefit to you. Again, I insist that everyone who allows himself to be circumcised or falls into the trap of keeping rules to be good must realize that he obligates himself to keeping all the rules, to keeping the laws of uh, the teaching of Moses. Those of you who try to earn God's approval by obeying laws or by obeying rules have been cut off from Christ and have fallen out of favor. Um, One of the other translations says, have fallen out of grace. There's nothing the devil likes better than to snare us in the trap of trying to be good. Have you noticed that? You know, if I can just read the Bible, God will like me. If I, if I go to church and fellowship, if I sing loud, God will like me. If I witness, God will like me. All of these things are valid and good. Reading the Bible is great. Praying is important. Going to church is really worthwhile. How many of you enjoyed a couple of weeks ago when we, we all came together after being sitting around in our lounge room for seven months? It was fantastic. But the thing is, when we get trapped into thinking that is the way that we gain favor with God, we are all of a sudden destroyed. Because the, real, the reality is we can never be that good. If I can just be good at going to church, if I could just be good at praying, if I could just be good at, uh, at, at whatever, we'll never be that good enough. In fact, the Bible says, I looked around for someone who was good 
and there was nobody there. There was not one good, not one at all. And so God says, and I mentioned this last time, God says that he, he by his own arm, he brought about salvation. By, by finding one, Jesus Christ, who was perfect, he was able to bring about salvation. So, so number one, God warns us about becoming slaves to rule keeping. Because it doesn't profit us. Rule keeping does not profit us. And you're going to see a little bit later on what God's idea is. The second thing is, and it's verse 13 to 15, is being slaves to the corrupt nature. You indeed were called to be free, brothers and sisters, but don't turn this freedom into an excuse for your corrupt nature to express itself. In other words, you've received grace and now you're standing in this freedom so don't just do what you feel like. Don't do what feels good to you. Because I guarantee, if you've not had this process of being refined, what's inside you will still be Egypt. You still will start dealing with people like a worldly person. You will start to get cranky. You will start to be selfish, etc., etc., etc. Paul says, don't allow this freedom to be an excuse for allowing, allowing your corrupt nature to be the ruler. Rather, Serve each other through love. All of Moses' teachings are summarized in a single statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you criticize and attack each other, be careful that you don't destroy each other. You see, the corrupt nature wants to dominate our mind space. The corrupt nature wants to be the one that determines how we live and behave and respond to other people. Paul goes on in verse 16. He says, let me explain it further. Live your life as your spiritual nature directs. Then you will never follow through on what the corrupt nature wants to do. This is what freedom is about. This is where we, where we enter into this freedom to follow the leading and the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Instead of just being dragged along like, a, like a, um, a, an animal that's got a hook in its mouth and being dragged along to some place it doesn't want to go. Listen to what it says. Verse 17. What your corrupt nature wants is contrary to what your spiritual nature wants. All the time? All the time. And your spiritual nat- what your spiritual nature wants is contrary to what your corrupt nature wants. They are opposed to each other. And as a result, you don't always do what you intend to do. If your spiritual nature is your guide, you are not subject to the rules. You're not subject to Moses' laws. We see God wants to free us by causing us to live according to another law. Uh, In Romans, it's called the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. In other places, it's referred to as the the law of love. And uh, Paul goes on in this passage. He says, I want you to be slaves to love. As far as our our relationship to Christ Jesus is concerned, it doesn't matter whether we're circumcised or not. It doesn't matter if we're keeping the rules or not. But what matters is faith that expresses itself through love. This is what the whole life of grace is about. It's about a faith and a listening to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and working that out through love to each other. Verse 13 says, You're indeed called to be free, brothers and sisters, but don't turn this freedom into an excuse for your corrupt nature to express itself. Remember, I said that earlier. Rather, serve each other through love. 
All of Moses' teachings can be summarized in one single statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now you might say, why is this so important? Well, I'm going to come back to a, a concept that I shared several times ago when I, when I spoke, and that was the concept of upward, inward, and outward. There's always a response. There's always a, a reason vertically, in other words, between us and God, inwardly because it benefits ourselves, and then outwardly because it benefits others. The fact of the matter is, God doesn't want slaves. He clearly says that in Romans chapter 8. God wants sons and heirs. He says the, the Father doesn't want followers. He wants sons. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we are his children, we are God's heirs. And if we share in Christ's suffering in order to share his glory, we are heirs together with him. The Bible says that he doesn't want us just to be slaves led around by dictates. It says he wants us to be his children that grow into likeness after him and become heirs so that together with Christ we rule and reign with him. So number one, upwardly, God wants sons and heirs, not slaves. Number two, inwardly, God wants us to be absolutely free. John 8.36 says, If the Son sets you free, you will be absolutely free. Not a little bit free. Not free sometimes. Not free the other times. It says, If the Son comes and truly sets you free, you will be absolutely free. It also goes on in John 10.10 to say, The thief is only there to steal, to kill and destroy. Listen to it. I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life. So why is it important inwardly for us? So that we might be live absolutely free, living a better life. That's what God has for us. A better life than they ever dreamed of. And then outwardly, outwardly, the ministry of reconciliation done by spiritual people. Second um, Corinthians chapter five and verse eighteen. Very well, you, you know this well, and I, I've spoken about this before. And all of this is a gift from God, who brought us back to Himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to Himself. God has given us a job to do, and that job is to go out into the world and bring God to people, and bring people to God. Paul goes on in Galatians chapter 6. He says, Brothers and sisters, if a person gets trapped by wrongdoing, those of you who are spiritual should help that person turn away from the wrongdoing. Now, what does it mean by those of you who are spiritual? Well, we know what it means because he's laid it out clearly in chapter 5 of Galatians. The spiritual person is the one that's led by his spiritual nature, not by his corrupt nature. It's not the one who's following the rules or the one who's trying to keep the rules to be good. It's one who understands what it means to be truly free in Christ and to have received that grace. You see, that place of grace is the only place where the devil can't touch us. The, the minute we try to get into keeping the rules, he's got us straight away because he knows we'll never be good enough to keep all the rules. So how do we make it happen? 
How do we make it happen? James 1.25 says, But he who looks carefully into the perfect law, listen to it, the law of liberty, and faithfully abides by it, not having become a careless listener who forgets, but an active doer who obeys, he will be blessed and favoured by God in what he does in his life of obedience. I'm going to throw up a, a, a little graphic. It's called the Maturity Matrix, and I'm going to close with that today. And, um, and, and you, you'll see it come up on your screen, and I'm just going to talk behind it and lead it through. Like I'm going to go back to where we started with Abraham, Moses, Joshua, uh, and etc. And, and this is the graphic. It all starts with a promise. God gave us a promise of new life in Christ Jesus. And to that promise, we mix faith. You can see it there on the graphic. And that brings about our deliverance into grace, into freedom where we stand. Another way of calling that is sonship. We're delivered into sonship. Now, Hebrews chapter 12, um, verse 4 to 12 tells us that if we're sons, then God will discipline our sons. And it, and it goes on to say that if, if you're not being disciplined like a son, then you're not truly a legitimate son. And so we will enter into this place of refining where the Spirit will refine us just like Israel was tested. Their inner, inner working was revealed and they were refined in the wilderness. And then we walk into obedience and eventually we're led into possession of the land through warfare. And you'll find that that whole place of refining is a place of warfare where God leads us to bring down giants in our lives. What giant are you dealing with at the moment? What giant can you say has been particularly tough for you this year, this last year? As we go into a new year, what are you looking forward to bring down in your life that you might walk in a greater dimension of freedom? It's time to fight. It's time to war. And when we war, listen to this, when we war, when we win, when we prevail over the giant, we move from the David to the Solomon. And the Bible says that Solomon had peace on every side. He had dominion on every side. His, his reign was exquisite. The Queen of Sheba was breathless when she saw his magnificence and saw the wisdom that he lived in. And this is where God wants to take us to as sons and heirs. Amen. So let's let's go, we're gonna pray and just ask as we, we come to the end of a year and we're about to go into another year. This becomes a year where we really move from uh, just a little bit of freedom, maybe f some religious freedom, into some real genuine freedom in Christ. Father, we thank you that you not only gave us the Lord Jesus Christ to be our Moses deliverer and to bring us into the, uh, a land of freedom, but you also gave us the spirit that he might work within us to will and to work for his own good pleasure. And Lord, the Spirit points out all of the things that you want us to deal with one by one. And Lord, you've given us, you've given us strategies. You've given us uh, weapons, Lord God, the weapons of our warfare that are not carnal, they're not fleshly, but they're heavenly and they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. God, as we approach this new year, Lord, I pray that each one right now as just sit there, as they sit there and listen to the sound of my voice, God, that you would be speaking into their mind and their heart some strongholds, some high places, some Goliaths, some giants that you might want to deal with this year so that we might live truly free 
and not be subjected again to slavery, to what our corrupt nature wants. And Lord, we ask you to help us with this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Guys, have a great new year and we look forward to seeing you in 2000, sorry, 2021. I, I couldn't work out how to say that in thousands. So have a great day. The Lord bless you. Amen.